The Safety Task Force podcast is arming you with the necessary tools to combat safety in our fast-paced, dynamic world. Our interviews bring you the latest and greatest safety solutions from industry experts. If you're new to the industry or looking for ways to expand your knowledge and stay up to date with global safety trends, this podcast is for you. We are back with another episode of Safety Task Force. And this week, I have Aaron Conway from Mezzanine Safety Gates. Welcome, Aaron. Thanks, Emily. Thanks for having me on. Yeah, definitely. So, Aaron, help us get to know you. Uh, Tell us a little bit about yourself and what you do. Okay. Well, I am president of Mezzanine Safety Gates. Uh, My father actually was in the material handling business. He was an area manager for a uh, rack manufacturer, and he sold a lot of mezzanines. And he had a customer come to him one day, and he was selling him a mezzanine with a pallet drop area, and the customer wanted to talk about how to guard that pallet drop area. And my father said, well, you know, they, there's a swing gate that goes up there, or there's a sliding gate, or oftentimes people just put a, a piece of chain across there. And this customer said, no, no, I need something safer than that. I want something that's, you know, idiot proof, something that's kind of, no one has to remember to do anything, put the, the gate back in place. I need to be safe all the time. So my father did some research and there was nothing out there. There was no type of uh, pallet drop gate. Uh, so he has an engineering degree as well as a law degree as well as long as an MBA and a uh, very motivated uh, individual. And uh, he designed the original Rolly gate, uh, which is a a pallet drop system that creates a controlled access area that keeps people from falling off of elevated levels while still allowing uh, material to be loaded into the area. And at the time, you know, it's a big, it's a big system. Uh, Some people called it a contraption back then. And he'd he'd be at the ProMed show showing it and people would be laughing saying, what the heck is this thing? Uh, Why do I need that? I can just put a $5 piece of chain up there and it's going to do the same thing. But he knew he was on to something big, so I was struggling in the journalism field and uh, working as a correspondent for uh, a weekly paper, then a daily paper, and driving up to Vermont uh, to cover some uh, state fair and some cow bingo tournament. (laughs) And had a particularly bad day uh, where I I drove two and a half hours, did did, uh, interviewed a bunch of people for this fair, came back, filed my story, and it wasn't in the paper the next day. They picked someone else's paper because they were a paid uh, staff person and I was correspondent and they could save the 10 bucks. So I said, I gotta get out of this business. And uh, of course my dad all along was like, you should come work for Mezzanine Safety Gates. I think we got something here. I think we can you know, grow a big business here. And you know, after that day, I, I called him up. I said, I'm in, let's do it. Well, that's awesome. I joined back in 1995. And, uh, I became the president like five years ago or so. Time keeps going by, but um, it's been a it's been a great adventure. Well, cool. What I hear is when people make it to the material handling industry, they tend to stay. So it's true. I know it's really true. I think uh, it, it's an exciting field. There's a lot of money in it, and there always seems to be something going on. It's evolving. There's always new stuff, and uh, even when the economy slow is slow, there seems to be something going on in material handling, which makes it kind of comfortable. Yeah, that's great. Aaron, I talked to John Sloan. Um, We did an interview on episode four about mezzanine safety and we kind of touched. Great guy. Okay. 
So we touched on the edges of mezzanines and different options, but I was hoping to take a little deeper dive into that with you today. So what are some things that we should consider when we start talking about fall protection on those elevated platforms? Yeah, there's, there's, uh, there's often a lot to consider. It's not as simple as, oh, there's an elevated area, put a gate up there. Uh, that's what we kind of hoped it would be, uh, but it's not the case. And so the things to consider is the process. You know, how are they loading? How, how are they uh, accessing this area? Are they using a lift truck? What kind of lift truck is it? Um, what are they bringing up there? Are they bringing standard GMA pallets? Are these oversized pallets? Are they bringing up lumber? Um, maybe they're not using a lift truck. Maybe they're using an overhead hoist. Uh, maybe they're bringing super sacks up there with an overhead hoist and setting it in there. And then there's the environment uh, in terms of what's around there. Is there uh, an obstruction overhead? Is there a um, is there a fire system right above their heads where they're working? Is there a, a, a wall right behind the pallet drop area? Because what we find nowadays is it's changing as um, people are becoming more familiar with this type of hazard and solution. They're actually designing it into the systems more, uh, but traditionally proper guarding was never designed into these systems. So you're going to see structures that were built uh, that were designed to accommodate maybe the material moving through, uh, but not designed to accommodate how to safeguard that area. So inevitably, there's something wrong. There's like, uh, there's a height problem. There's a depth problem. There's, there's one pipe that uh, if it wasn't there, it would be perfect. Uh, so you have to look around, you have to get a sense for, for the operation, what they're doing, and also the environment in terms of uh, sanitation. Uh, it, you know, if there's food, maybe they need a stainless steel environment, uh, and that comes with all different uh, variables. Maybe they need continuous welds. Maybe they need rounded pipe uh, instead of a square tubing so they can clean it easier. Uh, there's also uh, sometimes we power operate our system, so it might be uh, that you need to meet like an explosion proof uh, requirement. So there's that whole environment uh, to, to take into consideration as well. Uh, so you really have to get a whole overview. It's not enough to just look at a picture of, of the area and say, uh, here we go. Uh, there's got to be a dialogue uh, where, you, where you figure out what's, what's going on around there. All right. Can you explain some of the regulations that we need to be aware of when we're working on those mezzanines? Sure. You know, everyone, you have to follow OSHA. That's the federal guideline that uh, you have to meet. Right. And, uh, and that's the problem, though, because <laughs> OSHA OSHA is very confusing. It's, it's not entirely their fault. Uh, they're covering a broad range of scenarios. So um, pallet drop areas guarding elevated platforms falls under... 1920, which is uh, the OSHA walking and working surfaces. Uh, and so that you want to follow that to, to know how what you're required to do for pallet drop areas, but it's not specifically addressing pallet drop areas. Um, it's talking about wall openings, it's talking about holes in the floor, it's talking about all different scenarios. So the, the wording they use can be kind of ambivalent, uh, ambiguous and, and a little uh, vague. Um, so, like, for example, they say that a, a barrier has to be in place 
OSHA basically says you have to have a barrier that meets a certain requirement. And that's to have a top rail 42 inches off the deck, a mid rail at 21 inches, and a kick plate under certain situations. If there's small items that can get kicked off, if below is a high traffic area, if below people can pass. It also has to meet a certain force requirement against it, a 200 pound force. And they say that barrier has to be in place at all times, except when you're accessing materials. And so that's kind of the gray area, and I get asked that a lot. What does it mean, accessing materials? Is it, uh, you know, when we're loading with a lift truck, is that accessing materials? Yeah, that's accessing materials. So you don't have to have that, that barrier there. How about when they're taking it away with a hand pallet jack? Is that accessing materials? Well, I'm not sure. How about when the pallet is staged up there for an hour, a day, a week? Is that accessing materials? I'm pretty sure that's no, no. They, uh, you have to have the barrier. And then you can ask about the kick play. You know, is below a high traffic area? How do I define a high traffic area? You know? Right. So fortunately, we have the ANSI standards, uh, which are created uh, by professionals in the industry. I tell, I, I tell everyone to go to the ANSI standards first. Uh, you can't have an ANSI standard that violates OSHA code. So if you're following uh, ANSI, then you're following OSHA. So, uh, and ANSI uh, targets very specific situations. So fortunately we had the Storage Manufacturers Association, part of the MHI, come out with their standard, MH28.3, came out in 2009, it got revised, I think, uh, last year in 2019. Uh, but they very specifically uh, tackle pallet drop areas on elevated areas. They lower the height requirement to 30 inches, so anything 30 inches or above the floor has to be guarded. They mandate the kick plate in all situations, so there's no uh, gray area. And most interesting is they want a barrier in place at all times uh, while you're loading, unloading, staging the pallet. Um, and they specifically call out a number of gate solutions as being unacceptable, which really clarified things. They said a swinging gate that would swing in is unacceptable because it depends on someone to remember and close it or else the pallet is holding it open. A uh, sliding gate they specifically call out as being unacceptable along with a, a removal gate. That really helped to clarify uh, the whole situation. So ANSI standard uh, you know, 28.3 is what people should follow when looking at pallet drop areas. Thanks for explaining that a little bit better. So aside from standard mezzanines, what are other areas that we may not think of immediately that require safety gates? Yeah, a loading dock is a big one. You're seeing more and more of it these days, but traditionally there wasn't much talk about it. Uh, so these are elevated areas uh, that are in line with the height of a tractor trailer that's backing up to typically the exterior of the of the facility. Uh, and this allows them to transfer pallets in and out of the tractor trailer into the distribution center. Uh, the issue, of course, is when the tractor trailer isn't there, now you have a, a drop uh, where people can fall. And, you know, oftentimes they'll have a garage door that's there, uh, which is fine for climate or noise control, but it's going to get left open. You know? And uh, when that happens, it's still a drop. Right. Uh, unfortunately, you can't use something like a dual gate system like we use up on a mezzanine because you're actually moving material through that area. So you can't have a gate that's down at times. So to, there are specific products out there. We manufacture one that's a loading dock gate. 
ours rolls across the area and closes and then rolls up out, out of the way and compacts uh, to allow that transfer. My issue with most of the things that are on the market these days is their gates depend on someone to remember and make an effort to close those gates. And we get into that same scenario that we had on the mezzanine, which is why they, they came up with that standard, is people don't remember to close the gate. So with our system, it has a mechanism uh, that's attached to the um, the dock, and it detects when the lift truck is, the, I'm sorry, the tractor trailer is backed up against the loading dock, and only then it, it releases a mechanism allows you to open the gate. And then when the uh, that truck drives away, it releases the mechanism, and that gate can automatically close. Okay. The other thing that we're just starting to get into, uh, which we're the first to get into it, as far as I know, are pit mounted dock lifts. So unlike a traditional loading dock, these are typically outside. They might be in a parking lot and they dig a pit and they have a, a platform that moves up and down. This also is designed to, to come up level with the tractor trailer. So you see that a lot of these in grocery stores, uh, post offices, somewhere where a, a truck is coming into say the grocery store and uh, they're trying to move material out of the truck and into the store. They don't have a traditional elevated loading dock. Uh, so what will happen is a person will get onto this lift with a pallet jack, ride it up, you know, the four feet or so up uh, in line with the the truck, and then roll their pallet jack in there, grab a pallet of Pepsi or uh, Milky Way bars or whatever, and pull that pallet out onto this dock lift table. And then the dock lift will lower down and they'll go into the store. Well, we were contacted by uh, a major uh, grocery store that had a fatality doing that. They were actually, someone was unloading the truck with a powered pallet jack. Uh, they went from the tractor trailer onto this elevated lift and either they they pushed the wrong lever or whatever they did, the lift continued to push them back and uh, push them right off of the lift. And they fell and they got crushed by the, the powered pallet jack that landed on top of them. Uh, so they contacted us for a solution. There was nothing like it on the market. Uh, so we designed a system made for that, which we call a dock lift gate. And it's basically a self-closing gate that as the lift elevates, it closes and forms a barrier. And then when the gate is down to ground level, it opens back up and allows them to move the material on and off. Okay. So as with most safety products, people seem to think that adding these precautions will impede their productivity. Do you find that to be true with safety gates? Yeah, that's a great question. Uh, you know, when I first started in this business, uh, there's, there was always this disconnect between the various groups in the facility. You'd have your safety guy, you'd have your operations guy, you'd have the boss, and, uh, and they never seemed to collaborate and work together when I first started. So the safety guy would say, I want this gate up here. And the operation guy would say, that gate's slowing me down when nobody's looking, take the thing out with the pallet, the, with the lift truck and let's make right. it away. And then you'd have the boss saying, what am I spending all this money for this thing that doesn't last? It's a piece of junk. Uh, but the, I don't find that so much the case these days. And uh, there's a lot more collaboration. And as long as there is that collaboration, uh, you can achieve that goal of having a safe environment that's productive and efficient. And the key is to get them all to talk together. You know, the, the safety person is going to have uh, his or her concern. 
uh, where they're, uh, you know, I need to have a barrier in place at all times. I have to meet this ANC requirement. I need everyone to be safe and not depend on anything. And the operation guy is going to say, well, I need to move this much material through on a day and I need to load it in this configuration. Uh, and the maintenance guy is going to say, I can only come here and look at this thing once a month. And, and then if everyone's talking about it, then you can design that appropriate solution. Like, um, you know, we can power operate some of our gates. So maybe they want it power operated. Uh, we can have it so there's a push button station on the lift truck. Uh, so maybe operationally that works better for them. Or maybe changing the configuration instead of just putting one pallet up there, you make it double wide so it's two pallets side by side or four pallets and two too wide too deep and and that makes the operations person happy uh so there is definitely a way to keep things safe and flowing uh, as long as you have that dialogue and everyone's on the same page and, and involved in the conversation all right sounds good well aaron is there anything else that you would like to add in today uh, the only thing is, I would say this to everyone, end users, uh, distributors, consultants, uh, don't be thrown off by uh, if you go into a facility that you know isn't safe and you want to make it safe, but you look at it and you say, there's no way I can make this safe. There's too much going on here because uh, there's professionals in the industry that specialize in this. Uh, here at Mezzanine Safety Gates. Of course, that's what we do. We uh, are always innovating, designing. We love challenges. So if there's, we, you know, our engineers get really excited when I come to them and I'm like, I've got this area and nothing will fit. Uh, we don't have a gate that's going to work here. And they go, ah, finally, we can, we can sink our teeth into something. And, uh, and same with the, uh, you'll find those same type of manufacturers in the, the Pro-GMA, the Professional Guarding Manufacturers Association, which is one of the industry groups, in MHI, uh, that I'm part of. Uh, so uh, that, that's the main thing. Uh, you know, safety is important. People seem to be thinking safety these days, but I think there's a tendency to get a little overwhelmed at times with uh, sure. some of these older facilities, especially trying to get them up to code and, and not knowing where to start. That there's, there's people and companies that specialize in that sort of thing. Aaron, I really appreciate you taking time to do this interview today. And uh, that's all I have. So thanks, Emily. I really enjoyed it. My first podcast. I didn't know what to expect, but uh, it was fun. Thanks, Aaron. Anytime. That's all for this week's episode of the Safety Task Force podcast. Thanks for listening and be sure to follow us on Facebook and Instagram at Beast Agent WN. 